Make It Right, the manufacturing podcast. Something happened to me the other day that absolutely astounded me. I'd recently ordered a custom piece of equipment and was told that it wouldn't be delivered until January 15th. Then, on December 18th, I discovered a box sitting on my doorstep, and inside was the much-anticipated piece of technology. Well, you can imagine my surprise and delight. And funny enough, I'd just been discussing the challenges of procurement with today's guest as we prepared for this podcast. This fast turnaround got me thinking about all of the things that had to have gone right to get that piece of equipment to my door almost a month early. So welcome to the Make It Right podcast. I'm Janet Eastman. I'm delighted to have Aaron Breimer, the host of the Manufacturing Procurement Guide podcast, as my guest today. Welcome, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing great, Janet. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on and, and uh, excited to be uh, a guest and uh, looking forward to our chat. Yeah, so you've been in procurement for about a decade now. You've recently launched the Manufacturing Procurement Guide podcast. So share a little bit about your background and, you know, what prompted you to, to launch your own podcast. Sure, yeah. Um, so just a little bit of a history. Uh, I've been in um, in procurement for about 10, 11 years now, and, and uh, my background in the last decade has been in contract negotiations, logistics, purchasing, uh, inventory, really, really anything related to the supply chain field. I've worked, I live in the United States. Um, and so I've worked on the um, domestic sourcing and the international, worked on cost savings, everything like that. So uh, that, that's kind of my uh, work history. Uh, and as far as manufacturing procurement guy, uh, I just started this uh, about three months ago. So still very new. Um, but uh, what I'm doing is that I'm highlighting manufacturing leaders uh, where I, I discuss their successes in the marketplace and uh, really uh, offer them a platform to, to talk about what they're doing, whether it's innovation uh, and really help our listeners understand and equip supply chain of decisions for best value. Perfect. You know what? There are so many great stories out there, Aaron. And I have heard over the last 135 podcasts, some really terrific manufacturing stories. People are really willing to share their information. They want to talk about their challenges and their successes. And uh, I think the podcasting idea for you is a great idea. So congratulations on launching that. Thank you. Thank you very much. It, it's been exciting so far. I mean, just, uh, uh, just, just exciting and endeavoring and uh, looking forward to kind of sharing ideas and, and uh, learning and growing. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So as I mentioned at the start of the show, I've actually had uh, some amazing customer experiences recently. That latest one was certainly an under-promise over-perform experience, but that has really raised the bar in my mind about what I should be expecting when I make a purchase. So yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm just throwing this out there. Where does that put a manufacturer and somebody on the supply chain when people's expectations are just going like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would say that uh, one thing that I've found lately is that you can have a great product 
uh, but if your customer service, your account managers are not there, are not active, are not responsive, and are not customer-centric focused, Janet, it will not work most of the time. And I found that you can win, you can win a battle of sales, but you'll but you'll lose a war of uh, future growth. And uh, and I think that that's a big deal. So I think uh, having a company set up. Uh, for success, you gotta have you gotta have good product, and you have to have good customer service. You gotta have good account managers. You have to have good people in the field who understand what the customer expectations are. Just like the example you just said earlier, Janet. If 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 the expectations are up here and they're not met, well, then that's going to be a problem. And uh, I think making for sure that you're kind of setting people up for success. And because at the end of the day, we all talk. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, yesterday I was uh, at a car dealership, I was having some work done on my car, and there was uh, a lady who was sitting uh, behind me, and she was very aggravated, and I was just kind of hearing a little bit of the conversation. I think we've all probably been there sometime or the other, and she just said, you know, uh, you can fix this, but the problem is right now, I want to go out in the parking lot and tell everybody to not buy a car from here right now. And I was like, wow, when I said, you know, that's the word of mouth that as a, a as a dealership as a as a as a company you never want you don't want bad advertising you don't want people to talk so negatively about you know their experience and whatnot so i think it's so critical to just look past it i can sell you know product a and and do a great job but it's just what's what's after that sale you know what's what's the after part of it mm -hmm. wow <laughs> the word of mouth thing and with the internet and everything, it's just so much bigger now. It is a challenge. So I want to talk to you about procurement and what are the main challenges in procurement right now that manufacturers are facing? Yeah, it's, uh, that's a great question, Janet. And I would say right now, looking at the end of this year that has been challenging for so many people personally and professionally, just uh, walking through this uh, COVID and just um, just just dealing with a lot, I think risk and, and a lot of ambiguity in the market. So you know, not sure who will be around in 12 months from now. I think just 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 a lot of uh, just a lot of uncertainty in the market. So what I've seen is a lot of people uh, maybe that had one source that they look to have. Um, you know, dual sources are are that they're really doing a step back and saying, you know, how are they setting their team up for success as far as, you know, uh, managing risk? Do you have the uh, proper amount of product? How about looking down the line? It's sometimes not just your product, but how about the byproduct? So there's a lot of things going on right now, but certainly this year has been a lot, been very challenging for a lot of people, a lot of companies and whatnot. But I think if I had to, if I had to really pinpoint, I would just say risk is a, is a big thing. And, you know, it's always been a big thing for any company managing risk, but just a lot of ambiguity in the market, not knowing now looking at December of 2020, uh, is this company that I work with even going to be around in 12 months from now or six months from now? And if they're not, how am I going to handle that moving forward? Mm -hmm. So that risk and ambiguity, um, and when you do, like when you're a business owner, you're worried about running your own business. You're not, you're not well, maybe you are in a way looking down your supply chain at, at your customers, but how deeply can you look into what's going on with them to make sure that they are going to be around 12 months from now? And my question, I guess, to you is, 
how do you make that relationship with your supplier strong enough that you can get a sense of what is going on in their business to make sure that everything is okie dokie there? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, another just great question, Janet. I, I would say that um, one thing, uh, just to kind of go back to the other question, is having multiple sources mm -hmm. uh, is, is a big thing to kind of mitigate some of that, that risk, certainly. But as far as having these good supplier relationships, I think it's key, and you, you raised a great question there. Uh, but I think you do that by having business reviews frequently, and probably even more frequently than maybe what you've had in the past. Ask questions, uh, uh, have expectations of what you want your supplier to cascade information to you about. Understanding, like you said, you know, not just not just the you know maybe the paint that you buy, but what goes into that paint, or how about the can that that paint comes in? Is there an issue with that? I think having good communication and and having suppliers that I, I tell my suppliers all the time, I want you to be proactive, not reactive. So proactively tell me if there's an issue that I might need to be aware of, not as a way to kind of, you know, scare me as the procurement person, but, but just so that we're on the same page so that if, if we have to make shifts that we're doing it in sync. And, and again, just, just having partners and that's why, you know, I like to have uh, I like to have strategic partners and strategic vendors that I work with, not just transactional. I'm just going to send a PO to you for this. I want to have vendors that, you know, we're in it together, that we're talking, that I, you know, I'd let them know about, hey, our business is, it's going to be on the upswing. We think we're, you know, we're, we're seeing some more uh, stuff coming down the pipeline. Just wanted to get you ready, but also for maybe seeing a little bit of a trough in the market. So I think just having good communication, business reviews, uh, and just making for sure that you and your key suppliers and vendors have good and strong communication. So those suppliers, uh, no, let me step back. I think my question is, up until COVID hit, did most manufacturers have those multiple suppliers of kind of the same thing in case that there was a problem or is this something that they're totally having to go out there and find these new suppliers and make sure that they have sort of a, a stable of people to provide them with the same kind of thing just in case they need it and how do you manage those relationships and their expectations if they know that they're also the same supplier yeah i mean that can be tricky i would say uh the first question uh is is prior to COVID, you know, did did did, did a lot of businesses have multiple sources? Mm -hmm. And I would say some did, uh, but most did not. And you know, you had a lot of businesses that have been around a long time, and they've had uh, a supplier that has provided them whatever material or whatever raw material or or you know MRO product or anything like that for 20, 30 years, and they felt really secure in that, and they really haven't you know, said, hey, let's go out and find somebody to mitigate that risk. Well, now the game has kind of changed a little bit. And now some of these companies have been hit where, you know, uh, what, whether it's a company uh, either going out of business or they've had so many employees that have had COVID where they haven't been able to make the demand. When, you know, you if you got 20 employees on your operations line and half of them go out for COVID, I mean, you're going to be hurting. So I think, uh, I think one thing is just to be transparent, uh, kind of on that second question, Janet, as far as, you know, 
I get it. I, you know, I've, I've been doing this a while and I know that if I've been working with vendor A and I have to find somebody because whatever vendor A is supplying is a very key product, I have to go to vendor B and I have to find some. So as far as supplier A and B, I mean, we've got supplier A that you've bought from for a number of years. You feel confident that they're going to supply you, but it's a critical material in that if this company, something happens, you know, like what we've seen this year, Janet, with uh, COVID, that if you don't have somebody as a backup or say this, this company A, vendor A, say they go on strike, they didn't expect it, they didn't see it, but something like that happens you know, you're, you could be in a lot of trouble as a business owner. So, but I think having these conversations, I'm just a, I'm just a big proponent of, of having good communication with your vendors and telling them, Hey, uh, we're at a point we have to make for sure we're mitigating our risk. I'm a business owner. I'm a procurement manager. Uh, I'm an operations manager and I got to make for sure that I'm protecting my business. So therefore I am going to have to find somebody as a backup. Uh, and, and, you know, some, some vendors kind of interpret that if they're kind of the sole supplier, oh, I'm going to lose all this business and whatnot, but um, they may lose a little bit, but I think that most people understand the market now better than they did even 12, 18 months ago, knowing that as a business owner, your expectations are to run a business. And part of that is making for sure that you have good employees, you have good supply, you have good product, you have good vendors, all these types of things. So I think having these communications and making for sure that you're, you're mitigating your risk, you're understanding the market, and that you've got for your key products that you've got good backup suppliers in case something did happen down the road. Mm -hmm. And probably that other business owner who's your supplier is probably thinking the same thing. So, you know, lots of, lots of things have changed in the last year. So people are shifting and kind of going, yeah, I, I probably needed a second supplier for that too. So yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit because I, you know, I don't know why, but I'd never thought about it before. But when people go on strike, like how do you mitigate your risk from that? How do you, how do you have an idea down the road less than three weeks time that, yeah, these guys might go on strike. Like, how do you know that? Yeah, I, I think uh, I found that out in a very uh, uh, not good way years back. And uh, a company that supplied us a very key product at the time, uh, unbeknownst to uh, us, uh, and really kind of caught this vendor off guard that they didn't expect it. They had good relationships. This company had never went on strike. Their union had never went on strike. Uh, and, and they did. And, um, luckily it was short lived and they, they were able to kind of make, make amends and kind of, uh, ratify the agreement and whatnot with your union. Uh, but what that taught myself and my team is that we had to look at all of our, all of our key vendors, Janet, and say, who of these vendors, uh, have union contracts. And if they do, I want to know when do they expire? So what we do is that we kind of had a big push, you know, sometimes it's, it's, you know, you, you learn these types of uh, things from, from not just trial and error, but sometimes something, something nips you in the butt and you have to make for sure that you're being proactive. So what we did is we reached out to all of our key suppliers and said, do you have a union contract and agreement? And if so, we want to know when that ends. And then every month we go in and we review. And if there's anything within 120 days of expiring, we're talking with our vendors and suppliers and saying, how's it looking? 
Has the, has the communication started? Are you expecting any issues? Anything like that? So I think being at the forefront of making for sure that we're having these conversations and, um, and that also goes back to having dual sources too. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, uh, as we were talking about earlier, Janet, that if, if you have two sources, you know, you've got, you've got some uh, buffer there. You've got some opportunity that if something did happen, that you could rely on somebody else. But I think really just that was kind of a, um, you know, fool me once type of situation. And now having a good plan moving forward and making for sure we're kind of checking these uh, boxes and making for sure we're having these communications with our vendors and that we're talking to them about, you know, if you have any expectation of things that could go sour with your, you know, union agreement, let us know about that. If we need to bring in more material beforehand, just as a could potentially happen, let us know that as well. Okay. Let's talk about, you know, what a sourcing strategy should actually encompass. And I know you've hit some of the high points here, but if, you know, if maybe if I'm young in the procurement game and I'm trying to figure all of this out, right, what would you tell somebody who, who's, you know, new at all of this and it's like, okay, here's what you really need in that sourcing strategy for your procurement? Yeah, I, um, I would say learn, learn your products well. I think that's that's a big thing. Not of the expectation that you're going to be an SME in every category uh, and that, you know, a lot of what I've kind of bought in the past, I mean, has been anything from, you know, uh, a dollar MRO product to, you know, a half a million dollar piece of equipment. But I think knowing your product, understanding the expectations of operations, maintenance, I think having really good communication, not only I've been talking a lot about uh, with the vendors, but also with your internal stakeholders. Those are your operations team, your engineers, your maintenance, you know, is there a maintenance package that goes along with this piece of equipment? I think knowing uh, what what is the end goal. So if you're buying a piece of equipment, what is the end goal? Reaching out to the people who are going to be your end users and saying, what's your expectation for this product? What's your expectation for this piece of equipment? I think those are some big things. I think also from a strategy standpoint, I think there's a lot of uh, negotiation that can be learned. Uh, I I think knowing, you know, what's of the highest value for your company. You know, some it's all price, some it's all terms, working capital, all that is a, is a, is a big, big, you know, uh, term now as far as negotiation is a concern. But, but I think knowing your product, knowing uh, what, what is going to make the most for your current company, and I think just plain old working hard. I just, uh, I, I can't even stress the importance of working hard and getting to know your vendors and having good communication. Uh, my, my grandfather, who is 88, and uh, he served in the Korean War and uh, love him to death. And he, he's shared a lot of just, just great quotes with me and one that I, that I still use today uh, and I'll still use you know, years down the road as he says, do a job large or small, do it right or not at all. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that quote, Janet, because it's just, it just really is, is telling me and it's telling the people that I work with, work for, uh, that I want to make for sure that we're doing what's right 
not sometimes, but all the time. And, and I think whether that's a sourcing strategy, you know, strategizing for the future, I think it's just making for sure that we are doing what's right and, and respecting people, having good communication and working really, really hard. Hmm. I'm wondering, I love that quote too. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go back and listen to this and write that one down, Aaron. <laughs> tell you, tell your grandfather, I love that. I will. Um, I will. I'm wondering how negotiations have changed over the last, even I'm guessing six months because of COVID and the cash flow problems and whatnot. How have negotiations changed as to paying for what you're purchasing as from your suppliers? Yeah, there's, there's been, um, there's been some changes certainly, I think in the last six to nine months as we've been uh, hit with this pandemic COVID. And, and uh, I think that companies that, uh, you know, as, as a procurement person and, and representing a company, I'm always wanting to push pay terms out uh, and they're wanting to do the opposite. So I, I think really, uh, I think just, just a lot more, um, I don't know, leniency, but ju just a lot more understanding each other, uh, understanding that, you know, uh, we've been hit, you, you've been hit, uh, and I think just making for sure that you are uh, having this communication with your vendor. And, and I think even from a bid standpoint, uh, one thing that I just, I, I preach all the time, Janet, is maintain and be a person of integrity with your bids. And uh, if, if, if I'm going out and doing the normal procurement function of we need to buy this piece of equipment and I'm going to solicit uh, three bids and I want, you know, your best price, your best pay terms is that I never, ever share another vendor's pricing. Um, and, and, and I think that's just so big and working that kind of goes back to my, you know, grandfather's quote that, that it's just, you know, being a person of respect and integrity um, and, and knowing that, you know, um, that, these are still people that you're working with. Yeah, I mean, we all have a role to play in our company, but at the end of the day, it's just being a person of integrity and, and that, you know, I want to negotiate. Uh, I've learned a lot over the last, you know, 10 years of how to do it. Uh, and, and a lot of times what I've found too, Janet, as far as we all go into a bid and I have my expectations and they have their expectations. And sometimes they don't, they don't know what mine really is and I don't know what theirs really is. But I think getting those out on the table and saying, you know, what's a takeaway? What, what's something that you have to have vendor? And they'll ask, you know, and here's what we have to have. I think getting that out on the forefront can really eliminate a lot of back and forth. And lastly, I'll say this, that one of the hard things with COVID has been uh, many things, uh, certainly, but uh, just missing some of the face-to-face -face communication. I think, you know, uh, and, and Janet and I, I think we talked about this uh, a week or two ago, but just uh, I'm a person that if I want to have, if I want to have a conversation, I want to sit across from you. I want to have that type of communication. Uh, and, and, and it's been, been a struggle. So I think, you know, uh, when, when things maybe do go sour, I think having those types of communications face to face is a big thing too. Like I'm just, you know, if, if, uh, we've kind of been working with you vendor for, you know, four, five, six, seven years, and then all of a sudden it looks like we're going to go a different way. 
I want to call you. I want to talk to you about what we're doing. I don't just want to just, you know, do it haphazardly and walk away because, you know, I've told people before, you never know when you could need someone. You never know when someone could come back in your life. So I think being a person of integrity and respecting the uh, vendors, your supply base, and the people that you work with is really, really a big deal. I, I, I realize we're, we're running short on time and I don't want to keep you too long because I know you have work to do. So, but I did want to ask you a couple of things. Um, I did talk to somebody recently, his name is Harry Moser, about reshoring. And I'm wondering, are you thinking that we're going to see a lot more of that in the coming years as people get concerned about the proximity of their suppliers so that they can get things quickly? Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think understanding the supply base has really, really shifted a lot this year. And I think a lot of people, I mean, even talking with some, some of my colleagues in the field and whatnot, uh, is, is, is protecting their supply base, but also understanding their supply base and saying, if we're having issues internationally, whether it's issues at the port, uh, anything like that, I think having a good domestic source and a good inter international source is one of the best plans that you can have because it is, I mean, there, there's, there's, there's issues. I mean, there's things where there's issues at the port where there's longshoremen strikes, there's things that can happen. And those are, you know, things that, I mean, I could have no, uh, I mean, I can't do anything about that. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to have a conversation with one of my vendors about, you know, supply. It's another thing to have a strike at a major, you know, LA port or something like that, uh, or an East coast port or something like that. But I think making for sure that you've got good uh, supply base internationally, locally, and, and that if issues do happen, that you've got the right people who can supply you when needed. Okay. I have one last question for you, Aaron, and we always ask our, our guests this, but a couple of key takeaways to leave with our audience for those that, um, you know, maybe are starting out on their procurement journey or just, just want some really good tips. What would you say to them? I love procurement. Janet, I, 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 I do. I mean, I just, I, I love the field. I, I, you know, having been in it now a number of years, it's just, I love the field because I think it's a great balance of um, interpersonal but analytical uh, skill set. Uh, and I've certainly got a lot of opportunities to grow myself. And, and uh, but I think uh, really, if I could leave uh, your listeners with anything, I think it's just having good communication uh, thinking strategically about your supply base, um, knowing what negotiations should happen. And I think telling your suppliers and vendor base, I want you to be proactive. I want to know what's going on and I want to understand uh, the market. So if there's analysis that, that can be had or if there's some sort of a um, some sort of a forecast, anything like that. I think that that's really going to help you a lot. But I think uh, just be passionate about what you do. And and I can't say that enough. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, it's just like, I, I love procurement uh, because I love working with people and I respect people genuinely and wholeheartedly. And I want to do what's best. Uh, and, and I think just, um, just working hard and, uh, because when you do that, it's just, uh, it, it can be such a game changer as opposed to just having a job, but when you're in a career and you're doing things and you know, um, and that you know that you're really making a change and, and you, and, and you really want to do what's best, um, 
uh, for everybody involved. I think that, that that really, really makes it. So uh, those would be kind of some of the key things that I would share with your listeners as far as if you're wanting to get in the field or uh, if if you're wanting to kind of understand it from a procurement standpoint, I think just communication, I think, is really, really key. Well, Aaron, you're a great communicator, I have to tell you that. And I think uh, the, the Manufacturing Procurement Guy podcast is going to do really well for you. I've learned some great things on it. So uh, thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you'll be our guest again. Absolutely, Jen. I appreciate the time, and, and uh, you're a fantastic host and person, and uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you these last couple of weeks and whatnot, and you're, and you're doing a fantastic job. So I uh, appreciate everything. Thank you. Thanks very much. Aaron Brimer is uh, the host of the Manufacturing Procurement Guy, and I do have a bit of difficulty saying procurement, <laughs> but um, you can check out his podcast. Just look for it on Google. It's the Manufacturing Procurement Guy. That is our show this week. Thanks so much for listening. You can check out our Twitter and LinkedIn feeds that are on our podcast page. Subscribe and share the podcast with friends and colleagues if you like we're on itunes google play stitcher spotify and youtube and remember that the make it right podcast is brought to you by kevin snook he's a leadership advisor and author of the best-selling book make it right five steps to align your manufacturing business from the front line to the bottom line aaron thank you again and we'll see you we'll speak to you again soon thank you janet until next time i'm janet eastman thanks for listening to make it right <laughs>